And now we can sell IG 11 with Grogu and sitting in his belly. And that's, that's literally what they put him in here for. And there's no value. Add Don't buy it, story. JJ. It better not be up on that shelf one day. Don't buy it. <laughs> Welcome to the What's Up Ready Podcast, where we fashion ourselves television judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Mattson Heiner. Better red than dead. And Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in, whether you're watching live right now, uh, or you're joining us after the fact and listening or watching on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate it all. Uh, do us a favor. Go ahead and hit that like, subscribe, bell notification button. Um yeah, all those buttons. It'll help you keep up with our episodes as we put new content out. It will also help us grow the podcast, which we really appreciate. Um, and don't forget to tell friends about us. Tell family about us. Uh, tell that weird person that walks your neighborhood in the middle of the day for no random reason. You all have one. You, you know who does. you know who JJ's talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell them about us. We like creepy people, so tell them. Um <laughs> We're here to talk about a few things. We're going to get started talking about The Mandalorian, Chapter 23, The Spies. Um, yeah, this was a long episode for The Mandalorian. Uh, and it was it was good. It did a couple of things that I didn't want it to do. Which we'll talk about. But it was a pretty good episode. Oh, well, I'm some- curious about what you didn't want it to do because... Shoot, bro. I thought it was fun. Well, it's I, I think I mentioned earlier on in this season during an episode that the cloning thing and all this stuff with Pershing and that, like I'm not a fan of the connection to the sequel trilogy and well, they've gone and done it now. Like there's no there's no like it is directly connected. We saw General Hux's dad in the flesh, I guess in a simulated flesh or like a whatever it was in the council of the council of shadows and we you know and I, the connection to palpatine with the necromancer initiative or whatever it was like oh, is that what you think that was kind oh, of absolutely yeah project necromancer that's i would be willing to bet my left nut that that's the direct connection to palpatine's return which I look, I well, I won't go there yet. Remind me, Matson. This is one of those moments, or Alec, you want to remind me when we jump into what's coming from Star Wars Celebration to talk about my issues with the sequel trilogy that I feel like they're giving themselves a chance to fix in a way. But it's not what everybody thinks, it's not what a lot of people bitch about when it comes to the sequel trilogy. But there were issues with it. And I'm so I'm not a fan. Like the, one of the, my favorite parts of the Mandalorian, especially the first season, second season, even was the disconnect from the larger Skywalker narrative. And so uh, the fact that they've now directly connected it, even though from a side perspective, right. And there's, there's some still not full on connected, but it's connected enough that I was like, and eh, now I can't help but think about Donald Gleason being a weird uh <laughs> axis power type general weird and i i love donald gleason and that was his his older brother daniel gleason that played his dad's character in this particular episode so 
anyway, yeah, I was just not thrilled with that piece of it. The rest of it, though, I really enjoyed. And I now come even full circle. I talked last episode or two episodes ago, I don't remember, that I think that the armor is Rook from Rebels or Clone Wars, depending on where, you know, in the the series, mostly Clone Wars. But I, I really believe she has a connection to, because a lot of Death Watch after uh, Maul was captured went on to support the empire so it was just very convenient that the armor left right before they fell into that trap so we'll see maybe i'm wrong maybe she's not but i also noticed that there were some spikes on old uh moff gideon's helmet that looked very similar to the armor's helmet and how the hell did they learn to manipulate Beskar on armor. Yeah, like that's a trade secret. How do you, how do you mean? I guess they've been there a long time, but even still, to say they're doing it as good as the Mandalorians have been doing it for what, millennia? Mm-hmm. Far fetched, right? Well, my understanding based on the show and some of the ways that they lean into it is that the armor was one of the only people, if not the only one left, that knew how to manipulate Beskar. Hmm. So. Uh, and I mean, I don't know that that's entirely true, but that's the feeling that they gave. And if that's the case, then the other thing to consider is at the end of the first season, when they're working to save the covert on uh, Navarro, she stayed and fought. I mean, it's an interesting time that she could have easily negotiated her surrender or you know what I mean? And it also looked like to me that the Empire had been or the remnant of the Empire had been there on. And that's not surprising, considering that they'd you know bombarded it years ago. But those survivors knew right where the Great Forge was. And it was around the corner that we end up finding this whole base for the Empire, the Imperial remnant. So it's like, did they? know where the that was but they didn't know that the empire was i don't know there was just a lot of things that i'm like this seems shady (laughs) so and then the title the spies who's the spies we didn't get any feeling of who's the spies except for certain individuals that they either found later or possibly the the armor or possibly the group that broke him out that are now infiltrated obviously inside you think the armor tattled on them i don't know it's possible i think i i i don't think she's entirely good i i don't know i i don't want her to be bad you know what i mean like i don't want her to be part of the remnant or on gideon's side but it's also a really quick turnaround that she went from if you're not part of the children of the watch then you're not Mandalorian, right? Like, to ooh, we need to unite the clans. Unite us, <laughs> it's mad. Unite us. Yes. <laughs> so, I I don't know. Like I said, I I guess that's one of the better parts of this episode is it has me questioning a little bit about who's who's who and what's going on, and and I'm probably doing my like mad Star Wars deep dive. 
I know too much for my own damn good type thing to where like it probably turns out that the armor is exactly who she is and they've just been on the base. And so it just, you know, they knew a lot. So I was, yeah, obviously there's somebody that's informing Kane on Coruscant as well, because I mean, she was part of that one conversation, but then how did she find out that the, the Mandalorians went and saved Navarro? We never know that. So based on the conversation, it was nice to have uh, Giancarlo Esposito back, though. It was very nice. Alec, like, what did you think of this episode? I'm torn. So I loved that we finally got this episode, but I feel like it should have been episode four. <laughs> and I'm getting a little bit annoyed that, you know, there's only one more left because you don't need the filler content. We can erase last week's episode with Jack Black, Christopher Lloyd, as cool as that was. We don't need them. We can even at this point kind of, you know, cut out that entire Pershing episode. Because once again, the only tie in was, you know, what about Pershing's research? Oh, it's gone. That was the only tie in. And when you have eight episodes to work with and 25 percent of that is filler. You know, this isn't a 20 episode long season where that makes sense. You have to have these filler episodes to continue the story. Now they're just taking a huge chunk of this and making it filler, in my opinion. So now when this comes around, I'm like, oh, this is great. There's only one more. How are they going to tie up all their loose ends? Because, you know, they've mentioned Thrawn. They've mentioned, you know, we have the Mythosaur that's still beneath Mandalore. Uh, There's, you know, several threads, stuff on Navarro that's still happening that is all kind of in the ether. How are they going to tie it all together to wrap it up into a pretty bow? I don't think they will, which means we'll get season four, which probably follow the same pattern. Um, and by that point, it's jumped the shark. So I, I had fun with it, but I don't understand what the point is anymore. Like, what's the point of the show? And it seems to fall or have fallen into typical Star Wars Disney content, which is a lot of noise. They will not move on from the Skywalker saga. And they just keep putting stuff out because they know we'll watch it. It's fair. Um, I mean, we know now based on celebration, kind of where they're going with it. Uh, I didn't watch it. So. I know, I know. <laughs> we'll talk about that later on live. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think it's gotten in its own way in a lot of cases because it went one of the parts. I mean, because there was a lot of filler in in season one. There was a lot of f- technically filler in season two. But the difference was, is our whole thing was, who's the Mandalorian? Why is Grogu here? It wasn't, how does this connect to Bo-Katan? How does this connect to Ahsoka? How does this connect to the larger universe as a whole? It was, let's watch the shenanigans of these two characters that are very interesting because of the strange circumstances of who they are and what where they find themselves. So it was okay to have re- episodes that didn't make any sense or had weird cameos just for the sake of having cameos that's why part of the reason the first two episodes work so well or first two seasons but this third season because of the connection to connection to this greater story and to these other storylines that are bigger parts because it's also starting to connect to um the bad batch 
which is has just wrapped its second season and there's connections all through that to this as well so it's i i hope that it pays off in a way i mean i trust dave filoni i do the guy has done nothing but great stuff at star wars so i hope i'm hoping that i'm just a little bitter because of past stuff at disney and star wars and it's not the actual case with this but anyway I'm going to just say I kind of agree with the both of you, especially with Alex's point that as much as I, I mean, I love this episode just for the sheer entertainment value, plot points, everything. This episode is awesome. Kick-ass episode. The, my opinion, best episode of the, the season. One of the best that I can remember. Is, I mean, I think it's the first time I've seen a bunch of Mandalorian fight the Empire uh, that I can think of. Or remember, I don't watch all the, I'm not, I don't watch every Star Wars. I'm, I'm no JJ. Um, <laughs> cool compelling scenes for me it's it's fun to see that you got the baby yoda doing his little baby yoda thing you got to see one of the the babu (laughs) babu freak type people you mean i always love them there's like oh oh baby little baby cry (laughs) mad baby mad baby (laughs) i mean it had all that and it had cool cool new world it had ships flying around but not no star battles i I think that's the only thing that could have made it better like if there was like some battle in the, the sky or something Sheer entertainment value is awesome. But that being said, like Alex said, it kind of washed away everything else that I saw before except some little bits and pieces here and there. So it just leaves me to say, like, did we need all that other filler that didn't really have to do anything to where we got now? And I think that happens a lot with TV shows, happens a lot with Disney Marvel shows that we watch these days, and it can be fatiguing. Yeah. Gray's here. Hey, I'll miss the episode. Hey. We wanted to check in. Well, we thanks for checking in. Uh, we are spoiling a lot, so if that's an issue, sorry. Um, <laughs> but we love having you here, Gray. Yeah, I think even though the Grogu thing, though, like there's such a waste this season. Like Grogu has had, I'm telling you, they should have left him with Luke. He should not have been in this season. Like he should have been mentioned, talked about the fact that you know, the dude like that Din misses him or whatever, you know what I mean? But he should not have been in this season because he's been a waste. There was no reason to bring him back for this. He doesn't need to be there. The only thing he does is comic relief, which is never what he was supposed to be, even though he provided a ton of it. It was in natural form, and now it just feels like he's running around in freaking IG-11's body, which is funny if it didn't distract from the whole rest of the story that's going on. The one good thing that he did this episode was break up the fight between the two factions. Like, that was interesting. It added to the story. It added to the character. And don't get me wrong, him running around the whole city going, yes, 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 and, like, stealing shit. And, like, (laughs) that shit was great. I was laughing a lot. But it wasn't – yeah, it wasn't – it just it feels like an afterthought. And to Gray's point, Disney's pushed the issue on it. It wasn't intended for him to be in this long. Um, yeah, I mean, I there have been interviews where Favreau and Filoni talked about he was never supposed to be past season two, and we see why. And I think that they messed up. I, I mean, it's all for the, the merchandise, right? We can sell Grogu shit. And now we can sell IG-11 with Grogu in, sitting in his belly. And that's 
that's literally what they put him in here for, and there's no value at. Don't buy story. it, JJ. It better not be up on that shelf one day. Don't buy it. <laughs> Just so you know, there is nothing Mandalorian on my shelf because well, I that, that is sad. Because you you not like I think Din Djarin deserves respect. And I think at some point I could put something to Or Bo-Katan, like... Bo-Katan to me is not a Mandalorian character, though. She's Clone Wars and Ah, uh, Rebels. So, and and yes, there is a Bo-Katan Night Owl up there. Because I... But I had her up there before the Mandalorian. Din deserves some respect. Sure. Uh, And I think early Baby Grogu did, too. But, yeah, I can't... I just can't do it now. So, we do we have one episode left? Yeah, yeah, one next week's the finale. So JJ being a resident Star Wars, then what's our speculation on how they uh, they conclude and tease us? Um, it, with also knowing what you know about Star Wars announcements. Yeah, this would be a good lead in. Uh, let's talk about Grace comment here though. Yeah, he was so popular that Disney stomped their foot. And what can you do when? when Disney stomps their foot. Uh, apparently, when, when you're Filoni and Favreau, you just don't do shit except put baby Grogu in his IG-11's belly. And they, you do the best you can, right? And there's been some fo- money moments when he was funny, but outside of that, like he's just been an afterthought, which is sad. Um, I think he's a distraction more than anything else. That's what you do when they stomp their foot. Um, I don't This one's tough. I, I think... If I'm a, if I had to guess, one of two things. I think you open with the space battle you're talking about, Matson, because what the last we saw is there were tie interceptors and bombers headed up to the fleet. Um, so you may see that battle, or you see the armor take that fleet and bail, right? Um, you're going to see obviously a rescue mission because they're not going to leave Din Djarin. Um, yeah, you just, they're not going to. So I think you see a lot of what you saw last season at the end, except instead of saving Grogu, you're saving Din Djarin, right? So the, the roles are reversed there. I think you'll see full on uh, IG Yo Grogu, like blasters and all doing some force shit through a robot, through a droid. I think you might see the uh, hint. And if anything, it'll probably be like a post credit or at the very end, you'll see now that they've dropped his name and the fact that the shadow council is waiting for him. Uh, I, I think you see Thrawn. Um, it may be just the back of his head. I don't know. You may see a quick call out to Ahsoka because somebody's got to take on uh, here's the thing is if you the introduction to the shadow council as well as thrawn there's no real room for me based on what happened in this episode for uh tarkin or not to tarkin jesus uh for gideon there's just not He's he's risen too high. He's hit his peak. He now has this full-on battle armor that's made of Beskar. He's got to go down. And yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I feel like he's got to go. Yeah, and that that's sad too because I love Giancarlo Esposito, but he's got to go. He's reached his peak. I think if if I were a betting man, you see possibly Ahsoka, Din Djarin, 
and uh, Bo-Katan along with Grogu, Robot Grogu taking down their, him down. That Because it's going to take them all with his fancy armor. Um, and then you also... But here's the thing is there's nobody based on what we know about the Praetorian guards that we saw at the end take down Paz Vishla. There's nobody, in my opinion, that can take those three out without an Ahsoka. So I think that's where, because those those are, they're designed to take down Jedi and like high level. Yeah. So that's my theory. I think you'll see a rescue mission and I think you'll see the lead in because we know Ahsoka comes out in August now. So we got to start that. And there's been a lot of announcement to characters we already know coming live action. Um, Gray's got some great points too. Uh, she does have Din and Grogu minis in, in her nerd room. Um, and then I agree with this. I think Gideon was maneuvered as a feint. Hey, I've been saying since early episodes, this all feels like this thing has been put in motion by this is a very Thrawn feeling move. And the fact that he's not there, I, I, he knows Thrawn or Gideon. I he knows what Gideon's gonna do. There's obviously some familiarity there. If he's a Moff, you know, Grand Moff, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn, Moff Tarkin, all these guys knew each other in the hierarchy of the Empire. And so the fact that he knows Gideon, and I think he knows exactly what Gideon's about, and the fact that he's not shown up yet, even though these people are waiting for him, can't be a coincidence. Thrawn's too good. And these guys, they're setting Thrawn up for... Now, not only another couple of TV shows, but at very least one movie as the big bad. So, oh, and, he, and he is, though. Thrawn's a G. Oh, Thrawn's. I liked Thrawn better than I liked Palpatine. When, it, you know, when you get into, like, the actual materials of the books, and if you read the original Heir to the Empire, mm-hmm. like. Oh, he's awesome. The guy was dope. So it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I'm with Gray. I think this was a setup to put Gideon out there. Because once Gideon's gone, you know, now he can step in and there's nobody that's going to be a pain in his ass. Because we saw that whole circle of people, for the most part, at least the two. One was a character, and I can't remember his name now. uh, The one old guy that was, like, all about Thrawn in that meeting. That's a character pulled directly from the books, the original Heir to the Empire books. He was one of the, the admirals or the moths that were like right-hand men to Thrawn. Um, and then you have Hux, who ties it all into the other. So aside from those two, this whole thing could have been who's actually loyal to Thrawn, right? And Thrawn comes in and goes, mm, you're toast. And Gray's also not wrong. Thrawn, there's a realistic danger. He knows these people that he's dealing with, at least to a, a certain degree, right? And the danger of the Mandalorians in general. Yeah throw that crap out there and get it <laughs> hashtag not a mustache twirler that's <laughs> good stuff yeah that's i think that's my prediction rescue mission gideon goes down i think at the very least ahsoka pops up possibly uh some other future ahsoka characters to take on maybe even i mean luke's not even off the table at this point because somebody's got to take on those praetorian so, because even with the dark saber, I don't think Bo Katan's that cool. 
to take down the Praetorians, but we'll see. All right, any other thoughts before we shift to celebration chat? Not for me. Okay. Uh, overall, it's a good episode. I'm, I'm excited for the season to be over. I hope they finish it strong. Um, as you guys know, we're going to shift, so I'm going to have Alec give his lovely little spiel here in a second. Once that's done, we'll close this out. We are going to stay live. So if you're watching live, hang out. We're going to do our little video in between. So for editing purposes, it makes it easier for me to cut episodes around and, and do that. But we are going to continue to talk live about uh, Star Wars Celebration and the announcements. Um, so hang out with us. If you're not listening live, we're going to separate these episodes and you'll be able to listen to them separate. So with that, Alex, everybody really can find us when they're not hanging out. Happy to. Thank you for tuning in to The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 7. The show is winding down at the same moment that is ramping up. It's great. How do you guys feel about the way the show is going? Uh, please let us know in the comments below. If you made it to this point in the video, we salute you for being absolutely fantastic. If this is your first time tuning in or you are a long-time listener... We appreciate you being here and listening in on our lovely shenanigans. If you are looking for more, what's our verdict? Because you just do not have enough sassy redhead in your life. <laughs> Look no further than our very own Matson. He usually goes off 2.56 times per episode. <laughs> I did the math. Where can you find these episodes, you ask? I'm so glad you did. Our episodes can be found wherever podcasts can be found, including Apple, Stitcher, and Ghana. It really is that easy. Also, we are on Patreon, so if you find yourself with some extra change after tax season and need to spend it somewhere, Patreon is the place to do it. Special thanks to our current Patreon, Shuddering Sisyphus. We appreciate your continued support. With that being said, I will send it back to the Colossus of Clout, the great Bambino Ajayj. That may be his best name ever. <laughs> it's a good one. I laughed for like a good five, 10 minutes straight. That one even had me texting Alex in, in the middle of like getting ready to watch a movie going, dude, he changed his name again. It's great. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, with that. Yeah. Gray. She's going to hang out and listen while she drive while she drives home. We love that. So with that, again, if you're watching live, you want to listen to what we talk about with star Wars celebration. We're going to go through the majority of the big announcements, if not all of them. Um, Maybe we watch a trailer or two, and then uh, we will end that. But uh, hang out with us. Don't mind the music. It's just for editing purposes. So with that, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Wait. I still love these stuff, baby. It's in a magic out.